he has given everything for us. And to have the opportunity to give back to him in just a small way. We could never repay him. But to be able to go to those around us and share the difference that Christ has made in us, that's a privilege. That's an honor. That's a high calling to be able to take the name of Jesus on our lips. He who's done so much for us. And I once again just want to say how grateful we are that you as a church are enabling us as missionaries to do what God has called us to do. You know, as Oksana mentioned, she grew up over there. And when I started first going over there and, and um, after several trips, uh, I uh, met this redheaded interpreter uh, named Oksana and <clears throat> fell in love. And, and we knew that God was calling both of us to serve in that part of the world. You know, I just remember how... Um, how at that time, so much seemed unclear. You know, we wondered, we knew that God was calling us to reach out to those people. There were plenty of invitations from pastors and churches to come and serve. But we wondered, how is it all going to, to, to really work out? But you know, the wonderful thing about following Jesus is if we just obey what he tells us today, one step at a time, he makes the future clear. And so often, you know, we're worried about what's going to happen a year from now. Or, and I remember as a, as a teenager, as a young person especially, I was always bothered by that. You know, what's going to happen in the future? What happens if, if my future doesn't work out? What happens if, what happens if... And yet, I've seen how God has just been faithful one day at a time to lead. As we commit our way to him, he is faithful to direct our paths. And that's my encouragement to you today. You may believe that God has a ministry for you. And he does. He has a ministry for you. And I just encourage you to do what he's called you to do today. To be faithful right now, right where you are. Because he that is faithful and little, God will entrust with much. You just keep being faithful where God's called you to be. And that's the message I'd like to share with you today. It's a very, uh, very familiar passage of scripture that I'd like to share with you today. Maybe the kind of passage you'd expect a missionary to preach from. But you know, as the Lord was laying on my heart what I should share, he kept directing me back to this passage of scripture. And I thought, well, Lord, but that's, that's just a typical missionary passage. And God said, so what? That's my word. And that's what I've called you to do. And that's what I want you to preach. It's from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Verse 14. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want you to notice with me a few things about this very special passage of scripture today. Number one, I want you to notice with me that according to Jesus here, the only hope for this world to escape darkness is the Christian. The only hope for this world to get out of the darkness is us. Now I know right away we say, now wait a minute, no, no, Jesus is the light He's the only hope. I, 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 I understand and I agree and, and the Bible teaches that. But notice what Jesus says here. This came alive to me recently like never before. You are the light of the world. 
Yes, Jesus says, I am the light that lighteth every man. There's no question about that. But as my vessels, you as Christians, as the church, are the light of the world. You are the light. And if there's any hope for this world to get out of the darkness and into the light, it rests with the church. And let's make it more specific. It rests with me. It rests with you. We are the light of the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says that you might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, the children of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We are in the midst of a perverse generation, the Bible says, a sinful world that's perishing around us. And God says, you are the light. The hope of this world rests in vessels of clay. You are the light of the world. You know, God calls his people to shine his lights in every place imaginable. You know, he's, he's called us to, to shine in Ukraine. He's called you to shine wherever you are right now. As a church, he's called you to shine right here in this place. And we need to be faithful where he's called us to, wherever he's called us to, and not be constantly thinking, Lord, I wish you would call me there, or I wish I could be called there. Recently, I, I was uh, talking to our good friend Stephen Heather Holsenback, and they were telling us about how they were at uh, a missionary conference, and um, they met some Christians who were called, I believe it was to uh, uh, Belize, and um, they said, you know, Belize, you know, it's where people go on their cruise vacations and things. And, and we were joking. We we're like, now, why couldn't God call us to Belize, you know? Now, not, that doesn't mean that those good Christians that are ministering to Belize, they don't have a hard ministry. I'm sure that, they're, that they have their challenges. There's no question. But we were just joking about that. You know, there's places that we wish God would call us. I wish God would give me this ministry. I wish he would give me this talent. I wish he would give. And God says, no, you take what I've given you and you be faithful with that. You be faithful with that because I've called you to be a light in the place, the corner where you're at, as the old song says. Brighten the corner where you are. You know, in the place that God's called us to serve is southeastern Ukraine, right in the very region where my wife Oksana is from. And when I started going there years ago, many pastors and church leaders said, Scott, if you as a family would come and minister in our region, there's so many opportunities. And as we moved to Ukraine, as we began missionary work seven years ago there, we began to see that that is indeed the case. There are so many needs. In the church, there are needs. And for evangelism, there are needs. And so God has called us to serve in southeastern Ukraine, in a formerly communistic nation where there's still a lot of remnants of that mentality and that old way of thinking. But I want you to notice with me today what Jesus says. Not only is the only hope for this world to escape darkness in the Christian, but light must have a source. Notice what Jesus says here. Men light a candle. You have to light a candle. We're the candle, but a candle has to be lit. A candle has no uh, power in and of itself. We have to be lit by the source of light. And here's where we come to the important part. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So any light that we have is only from Christ. In fact, we read in John, he said in John chapter 1, 
I, Jesus, Jesus is spoken of as the true light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. And so he is the true light. We are light bearers. We bear his light, but he is the true light. And if we think that because of our talents or our abilities or our gifts or our education that we have something to offer to this world, we have something to offer the people around us, we are wrong. The only thing we have to offer to people, folks, is Jesus Christ. Amen? Only Jesus Christ. We don't have anything else to offer this world except for Christ alone. In fact, sometimes our own talents, our own abilities get in the way. I'll never forget, maybe I've shared it before, the first time when we first started doing ministry in Ukraine, the first time that I, I, I visited one of the churches that we do teaching and ministry in there, and the pastor said, Scott, today... You know, we, I was speaking in small talk in Russian. Was, the part of Ukraine where we are in is predominantly ethnically Russian. So there's a lot of Russian speaking. And that's what we speak in our family, in our ministry, Russian. And, um, and so uh, the, the pastor said, Scott, I'd like you to preach in Russian today. Oksana is a great interpreter. But, you know, it takes twice as long to preach a sermon. A 15-minute sermon takes a half hour. You can say twice as much in Russian. I said, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> I said, I have the vocabulary of a preschooler. He said, no, no, we want you to preach in Russian today. And oh, I just thought this is going to be a disaster. And I got up and I opened my mouth and, and I think I talked for about five minutes. You can't even really call it talking. It was more gibberish. You know, I just tried to say something in Russian and for five minutes, tried to kind of share the gospel. And then I thought, I've got to bring this to a close. This is, this is a disgrace to the Russian language. And so I kind of said, folks, uh, that's, that's all I had to say today. And, and I'm trying to even say that. And the pastor says, give an invitation. I thought, I'd give an invitation. No one even understood a word I said. And I said, well... I said, if you, if you understood anything today um, and, and you want to respond to, to Christ and repent and, and give your heart and life to him as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome. And I had hardly finished when this man in tears jumped up and ran and, and, and fell on his knees in the front. And I just stood there just I mean, gasping. I couldn't believe it. And uh, he prayed and repented. And you know, to this day, that was several years ago, I, every time I go to that little church in Melitopol, he comes up to me and he says, Thank you for preaching the gospel. And I, th- I said, how did you understand anything? He's, he said, I don't, un- I don't know what I heard. I just heard the Spirit speaking to me. I heard the God's, God's Spirit. And you know, folks, that's what it's all about. It's not about us with our great eloquence and talents. It's about being full of God's Spirit and making sure there's nothing in my life that's checking the Spirit of God, that's hindering His work in me, nothing that I'm hiding that could possibly block the Spirit of God from using me. And then, then we can shine as lights. I love oil lamps. I, I in my study, always have little oil lamps there. Once in a while, I, I just, I, it's like a little hobby of mine. I love that rustic look of an oil lamp. And you know, sometimes that, if you turn the wick up too high, that globe gets all... Uh, full of soot on the inside. And you can scrub it on the outside. You can make it beautiful on the outside, but the light is not going to shine through it until it's cleaned on the inside. And folks, we have to be clear channels and vessels and globes, if you will, for the light of Jesus to shine through because he is the source of light. And you know, the people in Ukraine where we're called to serve, have they, for 70 years, they were without light. The church had to be underground. 
People were persecuted. I speak with pastors on a regular basis. They show me, they say, Scott, look at this. One pastor showed me a, a book, handwritten Bible, written out. They didn't even have a printing press. They wrote it out word for word by hand. And, and though, you know, we take for granted what we have, folks. And yet for many years, and, and you know, many of you have roots. I know you even before the service talking about folks that Zoli was telling me about his uh, parents who came over from, I believe, Serbia. And, and you know, you understand how it is when you live in a place that has no light. There's darkness. And I remember just recently, Babushka Sonia, one of the old ladies I was dropping off after a church service. She said, do you know that 30 years ago, it was a man from your village of Balki that invited me to Christ. I said, Baba Sonia, I, d- I didn't know that. Tell me about it. I didn't even know there was a church in Balki. She, she said, no, there wasn't. But there was a man named Nikolai. But she said, let me tell you, here's what happened. I was at work. I was uh, a middle-aged lady at that time. She's an elderly lady now. She said, I was at work, and there was a lady named Shura there at work who who." One day, I saw her notebook fall open, and there were some Christian poems there. She said, I didn't know anything about God, but I always had a hunger for God. And I said, are those poems about God? And Shura was a brand new Christian, it come to find out. And she quickly shut the notebook, and she was scared. She said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have seen that. That's forbidden. And this Baba Sonia said, I said, no, no, show it to me. So she finally showed it to her. She goes, but don't tell anyone. We'll lose our jobs over this. That's the kind of fear that people lived under. And Baba Sonia asked Shura, she said, will you please tell me where you find out about God? I've never heard anything. I want to find more. You know, even though she'd never heard, there was a hunger in her heart. God put that hunger in her heart. And Shura said, well, there's a little underground church in the neighboring village of Aryansk. And she said, I, it's there, and I'll talk to the church leaders there about letting you come. Well, it was, she, the next day she wasn't at work, and it come, come to find out she had a stroke, this Shura, and, and passed away. It was a very sudden thing. She passed away. And Baba Sonia said, I, I lost hope. I thought, there was my one chance to find out about this underground church, and I don't know where it's at. I don't know where they meet. But at the funeral, this man named Nikolai came walking up to her, you know, they have the, after the funerals there, they have the, the uh, gathering, usually a fellowship with uh, dinner and things. And, and he walked over to her and said, you, as I understand, were a friend of Shura's. Is that right? And she said, yes. He said, I'm a Christian. I'm a deacon from Balki, the village where we live now. He said, I'm a deacon. We don't have a church there, but we have a church here in Arlanka. It's an underground church. I'd like to invite you to a service. Baba Selene said, I was thrilled. She came on Sunday, and the first service, she gave her heart to Christ. And she said, you know, it was because of that Nikolai, that uh, deacon from your village. I said, you know, I always wondered in our village, we've got 6,000 people in our village where, where God's called us to serve as a family. And I've always wondered, was there ever Christians there? She said, oh, yes. 
Nikolai prayed for that village. He prayed that someday God would do a work in the village of Balki. And you know something, folks? 30 years later, God is beginning a work in Balki. God hears our prayers and he answers prayers. Sometimes it's not in our timetable. It's not the way we think, but God is faithful. But those were the times that people lived under without light. And light must have a source. Communism isn't the source of light. Those people were taught that communism was the source of light. Socialism. My wife was the very first word that she was taught to write was the word Vladimir Lenin. And her teacher said, Oksana, children, you bow your head reverently as you write out the word Lenin. It wasn't mama or papa. It was Lenin. It was a cult built around communist ideology. And yet, it left the people of Ukraine. It left the people of the former Soviet Union, of those Eastern Bloc countries. It left them empty and hungry for more. Just like the things of this world are leaving people empty today. This world promises so much. Hey, entertainment, friends, all of this. A career, it'll make you happy. And then in the end... You, get, you climb the ladder all the way to the top and you get to the top and you realize you had your ladder up against the wrong wall because there's nothing there. Folks, it leaves you empty. It leaves you empty. And that's what communism did to those people. So the only hope for this world is the light of Christ in us. And light must have a source, that's Christ. But I want you to notice with me today that light has a definite structure and composition. Jesus said... Um, He said that men light a candle and put it on a candlestick. You know, when you look at that light coming from a candle, from a lamp, you know, you don't think of what that light is made up of. But actually, scientists tell us that light is not just some mysterious power. Light actually has a very definite composition. It's made up these, of these packets of energy called photons. or, or I don't understand it all, but, but light actually has a specific composition. It's an amazing thing. And there's different wavelengths of light. There's an actual composition. And you know, the light that we are called to shine... It is not just some kind of general light. It's not just some kind of, uh, well, we need to be a light in our world, which means kind of a good example and, and, and you know, pat people on the back and let them know, make them feel good and give them good self-esteem. And you know, that's what it means to be light in this world. Folks, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something very specific here. Jesus speaks of light here as himself. As the gospel, over and over in scripture, we find John chapter 1 verse 4, in him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of man. So what is this light? It's eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's, it's, it's an actual, it's not just a, a vague, abstract thing. It's eternal life in Christ. Acts chapter 26, to open their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to the light. And what is that light? From the power of Satan unto God. It's deliverance from sin. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about shining the light. We're talking about shining the light of the gospel that means deliverance from sin, from Satan's power, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, it says here. That's what light is. It's forgiveness. It's eternal life. It's deliverance from Satan's power. 
And we could go on and on here as we look in Scripture. What is light? It's something very concrete, very specific. And you know, God has given us an opportunity as a family to shine that very clear teaching of the gospel in churches all throughout Ukraine, as well as in evangelistic work. One of the things we've been doing for the last seven years is traveling to different churches in our region on a weekly basis and ministering in those churches, giving clear biblical teaching. Sometimes our children sing, we, the children play the handbells. And oftentimes when we visit churches, you'll see some pictures back on the computer there, uh, the slideshow of, of the children playing the handbells. And, and the churches love that as the children minister in song. One of the things the pastors tell us is there are so many broken families in Ukraine. It means a lot to us to see a family that's together and serving God. And so that's an important part of our ministry, but also Bible teaching. And, you know, so many times, several times recently, even pastors have said to me, Scott, you've come all the way to our church and you've been a ministry to us today and you're teaching and blessing. Can we, we want to pay you. We want to give you something. And, you know, I look at these poor churches, these poor pastors. You know, some of them, their whole families have immigrated to America They've all gone to America, and they're calling them. They're saying, hey, come on, it's a better life over here. But some of these men of God and these women of God have said, no, we're going to stay here and serve God here in Ukraine. And I look at these poor people, and they're, they're wanting to pay us money because we've come and been a blessing in their churches. And you know what I have the privilege of looking at them and saying? I say, brother, we don't want and need your money. We represent Christians in America who have supported us so that we can freely give to you. We're just an extension of Christians here in America. And so we don't need anything. We don't want anything. We are here representing them to give to you. And you know what a blessing it is to those people. So I just want to say thank you for allowing us as a family to be able to bless the people of Ukraine. And so many times as they thank us, we, just, we think of you. We think of our brothers and sisters in America who are standing by us and supporting us in prayers and in their finances. Now, light has a definite structure and composition, but light also must be visible. If it's going to pierce the darkness, it's got to be visible. You know, there's these light waves, gamma rays, x-rays, and, and there are, it's actually light rays as we're taught and as we're told to understand, but we don't see them. And if you're in a dark place, if you're in a dark place, that kind of light's not going to do any good. Light has got to be visible if it's going to penetrate the darkness. And God wants us to be visible. He doesn't want us to be secret service soldiers for Christ. He wants us to be visible. He wants us to be where the world can see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they might see. God wants you to be seen. Now, our human tendency, we have this thing called fear of man. We don't want to be seen. The more hidden we can be, the better. We don't want people to think we're strange or weird or laugh at us or be uncool. You know, but, but the bottom line is God says, I want you to be seen so that people can see your life and as a result do what? Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so Ephesians 5.8 says, You were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. And as a result, what should we do? We're light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. You see, it's one thing to be light. It's one thing to have the light. But God says that's not enough. 
I want you to walk as children of light. I want your lifestyle, your words, your attitudes, your entertainment, your music, your thoughts, everything. I want it to reflect me. I want you to walk as children of light so that when people look at you and your lifestyle, they're going to say, wow, that's different. That's something different than I see around me. You are light in the Lord, but now walk as children of light. That's what we're told. Let your light be visible, visible light. Now, one of the visions that God gave us several years ago, in fact, a few, about four years ago now, maybe almost five years ago, I can't remember, we had the, the annual pig roast. And, and do you remember the vision? Some of you remember the vision that at that time God had given us and we shared with you. It was just a vision at that time. It, God had laid it on our hearts. It was to start an, an outreach, a village ministry center in our, in our village. We've got about 6,000 people in our village and there was no church and we just felt like God was calling us not just to, to, to minister in the churches of Ukraine, but also to begin an evangelistic work in our village. And we, you prayed with us. You raised a wonderful sum of money so that we could invest in purchasing and building and, and furnishing a ministry center. Well, I want you to know today, you'll see pictures back there. This past year, this past summer, God enabled us to open that ministry center. And right now, we've called it the Lighthouse number 516. 516 stands for Matthew 5, verse 16. You are the light of the world. And, and we've, we've called it Lighthouse 516, and it's right smack dab in the center of our village, right on the circle in the center of the village, right across from the school, right across from the post office, right across from the village Soviet or the village council. It's right there in the center where all the people are. And the vision that God gave us at that time, if you remember me sharing, was that we would have a place that would be visible, that people could see, because light, if it's hidden under a bushel, it doesn't do any good. It has to be in a visible place. And God blessed in such a wonderful way through you, through, through, uh, his, through answers to prayer. God blessed and enabled us to be able to open the lighthouse this summer. And I just can't wait for you to see pictures back there because it's because of your prayers, because of your giving. And now God is blessing. But I remember when we, you know, here we are right in the middle of this village and we're doing all this work and construction and we're cleaning it up because you'll see the before and after pictures there. It was in bad shape. It was an old communist collective farm building. It was, it was a little building that was actually the offices of the communist collective farm. So they were, they were spewing communist propaganda from this building, and now, now we're proclaiming the gospel. It's just a wonderful how God turns things around, isn't it? But um, here we are in the middle of this village, and, and you, you can't hide when you're in the, right in the middle of the village there. And so people would come by, and I remember the one lady in the, the, the store next to ours, I was there buying some coffee one day or something, and she said, what are you doing there next door? And I said, well, we're going to have an outreach, a ministry center, and we're going to be having free English lessons for the children and adults of our village. We're going to have a Christian library. We're going to have Sunday school and maybe someday a church there. She said, what do you mean free? What are you getting out of it? I said, well, no, we're not, we're not going to get anything out of it. We're, it's going to be all free. It's going to be, she said, I don't believe it. I said, oh, it is. It's going to be free. She said, I'm going to come to your ministry center after you open it. 
And if I see anything about money and you getting money, I'm going to tell this whole village that you're a fraud and you're a liar. I said, that's wonderful. Please come, come. And you know, she's come since then and, you know, kind of skeptical. And what's this here? This is our Christian library. Hmm. All right. How much does it cost to, to rent those uh, films and, and, and books there and the music? And it's free. <laughs> All right, I'll take a few of them. Okay, go ahead and have, uh, get, get, get two or three. Can I get five? Sure, sure. So she'll, she'll take them, and then she'll come back, and, and now she's bringing her friends to come. And she's saying, hey, this is a great place. You can get Christian calendars for free and, and New Testaments and tracts. And, and can I get some for my other friends? And she's getting them. You know, folks, you know, we're right in the middle of the village. You can't hide there. The, the village council called me before them. This, they call it the village Soviet, the village council. And they called me up one day and said, we want you to come and explain to us what in the world you're doing right here in the center of our village. So I came that morning. I prayed and I shot off an email to some people and said, please pray for us. And I went there and I barely got my mouth open. They said, what are you doing? And, and this lady was moderating, a real stern Soviet-looking lady. You know, she just had that stern face. And I said, um, <clears throat> Well, we are starting a, a Christian ministry center, and uh, everything is, is, is free. It's, it's, we're offering Christ to people. And freely, we've been given freely, we want to give to others. And so English lessons for the children of our village, Sunday school, a Christian library, uh, other activities. Uh, you know, every day people can stop in and get a free cup of coffee or tea. There's gospel tracts and calendars. And she said, now wait a minute. In other words, you want to start a church. I said, well, um, you know, there's not a church right now. We have to have people to start a church. But, you know, she said, but eventually that's what you're after, isn't it? We're all Orthodox here, and you want to start an evangelical church. Isn't that right, you sectarian? And I said, well, that's what they call sectarians there. If if you're not Ukrainian Orthodox, you're a sectarian. I said, well, you know, we we would love to see the Lord start a church here in this village. But right now, it's just, she goes, okay, we've heard enough. Folks, We've heard what he wants to do. And then I couldn't believe it. God just did something. I had barely gotten a chance to even share anything. She said, as far as I'm concerned, better a church than a bar. What do you all say? All in favor say, you know, and they all raised their hands. They kind of looked at each other and shrugged their shoulders. And and, and she said, that's unanimous. You can go with our blessing. I said, thank you. God bless you all. All right, go ahead. Go, go. And so, you know, we're right in the middle of the village there, so you can't hide. But you know, several of those village council members now have come, and, and they've gotten Christian calendars with Bible verses and tracts. And, and, and you know, God is already, we just opened it this summer, uh, finally. Uh, it took a long time to get paperwork and things done. Uh, the, we had to get the, the permission, obviously, from the village council. They gave us a document that allowed us to use that land. And, but now, thank God, there, there is a, a ministry center. You know, Jesus said, let your light be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus wasn't ashamed to hang on a cross for us. Let's not be ashamed of him. Let's make sure that we're doing all we can to be a light for him. Um, number five, the thing I wanted to say, Jesus says here, light demands a response. It can't be ignored because he says here, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it does what? It gives light to all who are in the house. Isn't that interesting? 
light can't help but give light to all that are in the house. You know, if you're sitting in in the middle of a dark room, a pitch black room, and you're in a soft recliner, and you're just kicking back and enjoying. By the way, that was one luxury that I had to have shipped over to Ukraine. They have not invented the recliner yet in Ukraine. (laughs) And so we, uh, a couple years ago, uh, had had a, uh, we were at Roofner's there in um, Rittman and bought a a recliner that was on sale. And so, you know, it's kind of got jostled around when it was shipped there, so it kind of squeaks and things. It's not really, but boy, it's nice to have a recliner there. And, um, <clears throat> you know, but imagine you're sitting in this nice recliner, and uh, you're kicked back, and it's soft, and then someone turns the lights on, and you see that you're surrounded by just these hordes of snakes that are slithering towards you. You know, as long as the lights were off, and you were sitting in your comfortable chair, ignorance is bliss, Right? But the moment the lights are turned on, you can't ignore what's going on around you anymore. You're no longer comfortable in your nice, uh, cozy place. Suddenly, you see the danger slithering towards you, and you've got to make a choice. You've got to, 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 to make a decision. And you know, that's what light does. It demands a response. And that's what we're seeing in our village, that light is demanding a response. People are being presented with the gospel and they've got to make a choice. But you know, the wonderful thing is to see people opening their hearts to the gospel. One of the things we started doing when we opened our ministry center was English lessons. Because everyone wants to learn English. And so we have a gospel message at the end of every English lesson. So people come for the English lesson, they get a good English lesson, and then at the end I say, now let's do some reading practice. And we, we show a Bible verse up there. I said, now before we read this, Bible, this passage in English, let's talk about what it means. And in Russian, I, I share the gospel with them uh, in different ways, you know, with different Bible verses. And so each English lesson every week is, is a gospel message as well. And, you know, people started coming. And, and we started getting, in fact, we had to have two different groups for these English lessons. And then after that, we, start, we had a children's uh, VBS camp during the summer, and we had all these kids coming, and, and we were taking them in our van and picking them up in our village. And then we, we, we started a Sunday school. And you know, when we left in November, we had each Sunday about 30 to 35 children coming to Sunday school from around our, our ministry center in our village there. We pick them up in our van. They walk. You know, I get there on Sunday morning about 8 o'clock in the morning. It starts at 10. And it was cold in November. It was already cold. And these kids would be waiting there. You know, they come from these alcoholic families. You know, Russian vodka just is, the, you know, in a little village like that, there's alcoholism. And I, I've been to these children's homes. I visit them. And, and I'm trying to build a relationship with their parents. And, you know, we, we see the... The, uh, the devastation of sin everywhere. But these kids, they come to the lighthouse because it's a, it's a place of warmth and love. Oksana serves them a beautiful meal every Sunday after Sunday school. And they just, we sit around in fellowship. They come after school during the week. These kids, they come after school. They say, Scott, can we sing some of those songs that we've been learning in Sunday school? It's neat to hear these kids walking down the streets of our village singing Christian choruses and songs and being, and now their parents, their parents have started coming. Sergei and Oksana, the parents of several of the kids, they now come every Sunday to, to Sunday school lessons. They pitch in and, and help and, and serve the food too. And they listen to the, in fact, they said right before I left, when, Sergei said, when are you going to start a, a, an adult Bible lesson for us? 
Uh, another one of the children's uh, fathers, Andre, he's about my age. And Andre said, Scott, my son's been going and, and I've been coming to these Sunday school lessons. He said, I've been getting these books in your library. He said, I've never thought about God before in my life. But he said, I find myself, that's all I can think about now is God. He said, I, I'm amazed. I'm actually, I find myself actually praying to God. And, and he said, what, give me some more books so that I can read. And I gave him Peace with God by Billy Graham. He said, oh, I can't wait to read this one. You know, there's a hunger there. At people, when, when you're faced with light, you have to respond to it. And people, thank God, are responding to the light of the gospel. And we're thrilled to see that. And we don't know what God's going to do. This is, I, I want to say, folks, this is uncharted territory for us. I'm not a church planter. I don't have a lot of experience in this sort of thing. It's just something God let you, I shared it with you a couple years ago. This is a vision God's given to us. Never done anything like it before. Don't know how, how it's supposed to be done. I couldn't write a book on how to do it. I've never done it before. Our family, my wife, this is new for us. And that's why we need your prayers. Because people are being faced with the light and they're responding to it. And we're thankful for that. The final thing that I'd like to mention today, there's so many things and I've already gone long. I apologize. Thank you for your patience. But the final thing is light must be maintained. Jesus said here, did you notice his words? Let your light shine before men. Let it shine. In other words, there's something involving us here. Jesus said, let your light so shine. Now, that word means that, that there's a possibility of not letting it shine. Amen? There's a possibility of not letting it shine. And Jesus says, let it shine. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't hide it. Let it shine. And, and friends, God wants us to maintain our light. God wants us to maintain the light in us. It's so easy Peter already said it today to, to let these distractions and things creep into our lives. And, and we let all these things in the world creep into our life that dim the light. Jesus said, let your light be maintained so that you keep shining brightly. Don't let the deceptive thorns and thistles and cares of this life choke out the life of God in you, but let your light shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, one chapter later, if the light that is in you is darkness, if the light that is in you as a church is darkness, if the light that is in you as a Christian is darkness, how great is that darkness? Because this world is counting on your light. They don't know it. They may not want it, but boy, do they need it. Let your light shine. Friend, don't hide it. You pray for us in Ukraine because God gives us these opportunities to shine. And unless we are maintaining that light, unless we're maintaining our devotional times as a family, our private times of prayer and the word with God, unless we are making sure that there's nothing in our lives checking the Holy Spirit, it would be easy even as missionaries for us to not let our light shine and to miss these precious opportunities. A little boy, just a few days before we came over here, one of the little boys that comes to our ministry center, Albert, 
came. He was all dirty and bruised and scratched up. He came to our gate of our house, our front little gate there. And I was talking with some other kids that were there, and, and he came walking up, and he looked scared, and he was all dirty and cold. It was already frosts at night, and he said, he said, Uncle Scott, I've been spending two nights outside already. He said, I'm so cold, I'm scared. My, my stepdad, his stepdad is known as a, a, a ruffian. He's an ex-convict. He, he drinks and he's violent. He beats his family and his wife ended up in the hospital. Uh, and he said, my stepdad beat me so bad, I don't even want to go home. I'm scared. I took him, I talked to him for a while. I took him to the police department. I, I know some of the, the police there in our village. And I said, I said, you know, Albert's afraid to go home. And the police officer looked at me and goes, Scott, you know what? It's in your country that you don't beat your kids. Over here, that's just what everyone do- does. I mean, it's, this is Ukraine. This isn't America. I mean, I know you're an American. You're used, but over here, these, these drunks here, they beat their kids. They beat their wives. I mean, that's just life here. He said, you know, you just got to resign yourself. I said, no, but you know what? He's scared to go home. Will you at least, until his parents start looking for him, because well, he'd been gone for two days. They, they were probably drunk. They hadn't even been looking for him. I said, would you at least let him stay at our home over the weekend or until, will you give us your permission to do that? He said, yeah, you have our, the, the police sanction to go ahead and, and keep him in a safe haven until, until, uh, until they come looking, and then you'll have to bring him back to the department. We'll have to deal with it. I said, okay. So over that weekend, he went to church with us. We took him to a, a church on Sunday evening that I was going to be preaching in. The pastor there has a ministry among orphans, and he's so good with children, this pastor. And he took Albert aside, and we, we took him aside, talked to him together. The next day, Albert had been so touched that whole weekend in our home. And, and the next day, his parents came looking for him. And uh, I talked to them for a while. And I said, well, you know, you'll have to look for him at the police station. So I took him to the police station. And while we were waiting for the inspector to show up, Albert and I were sitting in the van. And I said, Albert, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have to probably go home now soon or, or at least with, with the police here. And I'm going to be going to America for a couple of months. I just don't know what's going to happen. But I said, Albert, you know, you could have one confidence. If you'll invite Jesus Christ into your life, you don't have to go home alone. You don't have to ever be alone again. And, and that doesn't promise that you won't have difficulties. But Albert's 12. He's a little guy, but he's 12 years old. He's old enough to understand. And Albert was crying and he said, Scott, I, I've seen all the happiness in your family and, and I've heard about God and I, I, I sometimes do things that I know God isn't happy with. I said, that's exactly why you need to ask him to come into your heart and life to forgive you. He, he doesn't want you as a perfect person. He wants you just the way you are, Albert. I said, do you want to pray? He said, yes. And you know, he didn't even repeat after me. I'm not saying that's wrong to repeat a prayer of salvation. He didn't even, he just prayed on his own. Never prayed before in his life. He said, Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Please come into my heart. I don't want to go home alone. I want to know that you're with me all the time. And he prayed that sinner's prayer in our van. And you know, we had to part ways after he spent the night at the police station then and and the next day he had to go back to school and, and then had to go home. And then we had to leave. But you know something? I think about, and I could tell you so many more stories, but that was just before we left here. I think about all the little Alberts and the adults there 
the, the, like the babushka Maya, the one little lady that comes to our ministry center. She's so hungry. She's never had a Bible. And now for, finally she's got a Bible and she sits and she asks me these questions that she's wanted to ask all of her life. I, I could tell you stories like that about people who are hungry, who are needy. And you know, unless we have people praying for us that we'll be strong, because it's not by might or by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by our talents, our abilities. It's by his spirit. And unless we have the prayers of God's people and the power of God's spirit resting upon us, we're going to miss those opportunities. I want you to know we're praying for you that you won't miss any opportunities, that you'll let your light shine. I want you to know we've been praying for you as a church. We've been praying through all the changes, through all the the new directions that God has been leading you as a church. You have daily been in our prayers as a congregation. And and we're so grateful to you for allowing us to come today, for Peter, for inviting us today, for your support, for your prayers. And my one request of you today is that you just go to the back table. and, And if you don't have one, take one of our little prayer magnets and put it in a place that once in a while God would just lay on your heart to pray. And, and, and when God brings us to your mind, will you just pray, Lord, help them to let their light shine. Let your light shine through them. That's our request for you today because we need your prayers. The, more we, the deeper we get into this new ministry that God's called us to, the more we realize how inadequate we are. And our confidence is that little is much when God is in it. It's much God loves to take our little five loaves and fishes and multiply them. And God wants to take your little bit that you are willing to offer him and do something great with it if you'll give yourself to him. You pray for us as missionaries and we'll pray for you as missionaries where God has called you. Thank you again so much and God bless you.